This is Bob Petrakis with the other side of the news, brought to you by the FreePress.org. <laughs> WCRS Community Radio 98.3 and 102.1. Hi, this is Dr. Bob Fatrakis in the studios at WCRS. I'm here with Mark Stansberry, president of the Columbus Campaign for Arms Control. And Mark, you've got an, an important historical event coming up this weekend. Why don't you tell the listeners at WCRS what's going on in Columbus? Thanks, Bob. Yeah, uh, we're having the 67th anniversary of the Hiroshima-Nagasaki commemoration uh, Monday night, August 6th, down at the Patel Memorial Riverfront Park. It'll be our uh, annual event where we take time to, to sort of reflect on what that date meant for humanity and then also to dedicate ourselves to future uh, work that will build for more peace and a, a non-nuclear uh, future. Now, why is it important to uh, remember what happened at Hiroshima and Nagasaki, particularly from an American perspective? Yeah, there's many reasons, but one in particular is that it, it did mark the beginning of a, a nuclear age, one in which uh, civilian populations were targeted by the military, which we're now seeing in modern-day warfare. Uh, we're also seeing that the, the, uh, the, the use of a, a nuclearized weapon uh, definitely uh, puts us into a whole new, new, new phase of what humanity is. And so our need to, to recognize that as a door opening and that we need to keep that door shut. It's almost like a Pandora's box that uh, we know was opened on that day at 8.15 in the morning on August 6, 1945. Now, uh, part of that Pandora's box, would that include the recent Fukushima disaster in Japan uh, because of the notion of justifying... Uh, nuclear war and the nuclear industry, uh, the whole push towards peacetime use of nuclear uh, uh, power as well. And I've always thought how ironic it is that the one country that was nuked now is suffering under U.S.-designed reactors by General Electric, which have now nuked the country again. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's definitely uh, the technology was such that uh, people knew, tech experts in TEPCO knew that the, the location of the uh, nuclear plant in uh, Fukushima was uh, uh, susceptible to earthquakes and then tsunamis. They had tried to put a wall up that was supposedly to stop the wave, um, but it, it was uh, surpassed very quickly and very easily. The generators that were supposed to be to cool down the cool uh, the the uh, fuel the fuel pods and other fuel sources uh, were in a location of the building that did not uh, that were flooded, um, so it, it did not help in the design that they had. And it is very interesting in that the uh, the technology that was over there is not used, but in a few places in the United States even. So it's it's very it's a technology that we, we love exporting our, our uh, least, least valued uh, technology, as we always do in, 
in things. Yeah, the nuclear industry uh, has always been one that is close netted into the cycle because you go from uranium mining on indigenous people's lands all around the world. If you go to Australia, if you go out to the western part, southwestern part of the United States, it's always been indigenous people's lands where the uranium's been ripped out of and that those uh, trails have caused uh, untold uh, human loss of life and, and, and disease. And then you go to the, the processing of those plants. You go to Piketon and uh, the Y-12 plant uh, that's in Tennessee, Oak Ridge, Tennessee. And those plants are national sacrifice zones. Uh, and then you, you then you go on into the the, the actual uh, the waste product, and there has been no known technology that will satisfy the need to take care of that in a permanent sense of recycling the waste or redoing waste or any of those new technologies that they they keep coming out with uh, has not helped alert or avert the uh, the waste issues. Well, this show's going to play just prior to the event, mm-hmm. which is literally tomorrow yes. at uh, 7.30, August 6th at the uh, Riverfront. So again, uh, this show will play uh, a few hours before that, but at 7.30 you'll be down there. What, what can people expect to show up? Uh, will there be reflections, mm-hmm. exhibits? Uh, what's going to happen? Yeah, we've over the years we've had um, the exhibit that the Smithsonian uh, Institute had uh, entertained as being part of the Hiroshima um, exhibit in D.C. Uh, it was since there was so much controversy and the the, the uh, folks that were in the deciding mode decided not to put some of the stuff in. So we've decided to buy that exhibit and to exhibit it around the, the city of for the last 20 years since uh, when, Smith, when the Smithsonian decided only to put in the Enola Gay as part of the uh, exhibit in D.C. and limiting uh, the, the, the human toll and all the other uh, historical markers that this exhibit would have given and to just limit it to the one airplane that was used to, to drop uh, the atomic bomb on Hiroshima, uh, it was, um, we thought, a, a disservice to history, and so we felt that we, we could get that exhibit, and which we did, and we have all the documentation of all the uh, historical uh, ramifications of that exhibit, and we use that annually, and we'll have those up down at the Patero Memorial Riverfront Park at 7.30 on Monday, the 6th. Uh, to help reflect on what that has meant for humanity, but then also to dedicate ourselves to future activities. So, And part of the reason uh, they were left out is because the horrendous nature, no doubt, of, uh, of the bomb itself, you know, the famed accounts of, or infamous accounts of melting skin and, mm-hmm. and the burns, and uh, some of that uh, will be in the show. Yes, yes. Yeah, 140,000 people died the, the instant the, uh, the bomb uh, was ignited over top uh, a civilian center. I mean, uh, Hiroshima was a civilian center. It was not a military target. 
It was one in that uh, they had already bombed uh, pretty much to the ground Tokyo, and uh, it, it resembled the, uh, the Dresden bombings that we all talk about. But uh, they don't talk much about the do- bombings of Tokyo. And then well, which, by the way, Robert McNamara admitted uh, in the fog of war that he was a war criminal not for what he did in Vietnam, but what he did in Tokyo, yes. the fire bombings, yes. which uh, uh, I think is one of the highlights of that documentary. Yeah, uh, yeah because w- he pushes it back and says, you know, because they were uh, deliberate uh, fire bombing uh, mm-hmm. of Tokyo, a city with numerous uh, wooden dwellings. It was mm-hmm. designed. Essentially, I mean, figures half a million people or so killed in those fire bombings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it's just uh, war is hell, and uh, we know how to do hell. And uh, but part of it, I, th- I think, the exhibit is uh, with the recent death uh, just a few days ago of Gore Vidal, uh, who wrote a very famous book of essays called "The United States of Amnesia." Mm. Part of the process is this kind of narrative where you control the narrative and part of that narrative uh, of course is that well you know the Japanese were fanatical they wouldn't surrender we had no other options than to drop a bomb but part of that amnesia is you're not going to read the journals of MacArthur or Eisenhower who both as military men realized the implication of bombing civilian centers as a war crime so you're not really looking at uh, other options. And also, the Japan was a small island completely surrounded and uh, really had no military options left. Yeah, it, it's the uh, Japanese imperialists' uh, military w- were, were very uh, expansionist at that time. And, yeah, they, they did go to Nanking. Nanking's uh, notorious for uh, the, the behavior and, and in mm-hmm. Korea. Um and all the Southeast Asia area, but again, you know that when you look at uh, European colonialism and Japanese colonialism, who was worse? I mean, colonialists are colonialists; they 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 right. kill no matter what. But at the so. time of the bombings, the Japanese imperial fascist uh, army really was not a threat to the United States. It was contained on a small island, wasn't it? Yeah, basically. It, it was on defense bunkers and had basically, within days, uh, even prior to the bombing, had already in- made indications to the uh, to the president, the U.S. president at that time, uh, that said that they were, they were ready to, uh, to, to uh, surrender. But uh, it was then based on the conditions of that surrender and that was to be worked out uh, through diplomacy which you know we hope that diplomacy would be the day the rule of the day even in uh, Syria and other places that we're looking at right now I mean we're looking at modern day warfare uh, based on what happened in Hiroshima we're looking at how civilian and military uh, targets and populations are are related, and they do not, you know, the worst the worst population affected by war it, are the women and the children, uh, and they're not the ones fighting the wars usually, you know, through direct uh, violations of their human rights, uh, from uh, being targets in military operations. Uh, this began 
when we started doing bombings of uh, civilian targets like Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Nagasaki was clearly a civilian. That's where that was a relocation site after Hiroshima. They went there to to for the Red Cross to deal with the injured and and dying uh, from Hiroshima the two three days before. And they went there and then got bombed again. So it was it was uh, pretty horrendous. Uh, uh, tactics that the U.S. used. Now, I know there's some folks that are of the generation where they want uh, to make sure that we never forget Pearl Harbor as well. And uh, they always ask, why don't you make marks of those days? And, uh, you know, I my response to them well, our is... our government does. It's I say our response holiday. is this an official day already. And, and yeah. one of the principles, and, you know, it's I teach international relations, mm-hmm. uh, and I mean, one of the principles of a war, just war, and uh, and human rights is called proportionality. Yeah. And while it was a grave, grave tragedy, uh, the loss of life at Pearl Harbor, as it was on 9/11. But uh, uh, for example, if, if we extrapolate to 9/11, uh, you know, 3,000 people died, civilians. Great tragedy, terrorist attack. On the other hand, the best estimate from John Hawkins is three-quarters of a million Iraqi civilians who, by the way, had nothing to do whatsoever with Mm -hmm. 9-11. Their brutal dictator was an enemy of bin Laden, totally different movements. He was a pan-Arab secular nationalist, not a pan-Islamic fundamentalist. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, we have the same amnesia again. We're, We're ignoring that. But for our attack on a country... That wasn't a threat to us. That was under two-thirds no-fly zone. Couldn't fly over its own borders. Three-quarters of a million Iraqis are dead, most of them by other Iraqis, but we're responsible. If you invade a country, dismantle their police, dismantle their army, and don't uh, control their arms depots and allow civilians to slaughter each other and to take bombs out and blow up your own troops... Uh, the civilian government uh, is responsible for that, and to me, that's a war crime. Yeah. So yes, you should remember the victims of of Pearl Harbor, but uh, the big problem, of course, is often total war demands total victory, which demands totalitarian type weapons that annihilate. I mean, and really, in many ways, it's the great horror. We don't want to think about Hiroshima and Nagasaki because we have to come to grips with the fact. That's what Hitler would have done if he had that weapon, mm-hmm. right? I mean, Hitler was the maniac who blitzkrieged civilian centers, and he was so evil. Mm. But what did we do at Hiroshima and Nagasaki? Blitz, in, our own blitzkrieg. Yeah, at own a blitz much creek. greater level. Yeah. This is Dr. Bob Fitrakis. You're listening to Community Radio, WCRS, 98.3, 102.1. I'm in the studio with Mark Stansberry, the president of the Columbus campaign for arms control. Thanks, Bob. Yeah, the, the, there's also a, a professor from University of Hawaii that um, spoke of uh, 9-11 in particular, but also of Hiroshima and also um, Pearl Harbor, of uh, the snapshot, snapshot historical, sna- snapshot uh, uh, evaluations. And... Uh, uh, Jeffrey White is a professor that has a great analysis of how people look at history. And so this is, for us, 
why we mention why we mention Hiroshima and Nagasaki, it's not because it's just one snapshot of of uh, history, but it is a a door opening, as I said earlier, a door opening of a new way humanity deals with war, and so we're trying to uh, bring this this uh, analysis, this uh, reflection out into the public and uh, this is, goes on across the world, around the world uh, these, these days of, of, of mourning, of commemoration uh, we try to bring up that significance that a nuclear age opened up in 1945 and has not shut down and we need to shut that door on human history as quickly as possible Are you worried at all as the president of the Columbus Campaign for Arms Control, that uh, uh, we're developing a new type of war, cleaner, Xbox, used to be called Nintendo, with drones, with so-called smart bombs, uh, and that that's being sold as precision, clean killing, hmm. but really, uh, in many ways, is uh, killing more people and still killing innocent people, it seems like. Every month, some wedding party <laughs> is bombed by somebody with a joystick hidden out in a bunker in Kansas City, and they're getting the wrong people. Yeah, yeah. The the whole robotic warfare, um, and that just doesn't go just into uh, the military aspect of it, but also the supply chains and other uh, unmanned uh, vehicles that are the technology is starting to expand which will make uh, the primary reason why U.S. has ever gotten out of wars because we, we realize that our, our sons, daughters, sisters, brothers, mothers, fathers are at harm's way. Now this new technology is making it so that we can have a war where we will not have any of our people in harm's way and that we can uh, force other nations to do our will. And so it is a very dangerous time that we're moving into with this technology, this robotic war, these drones. We are having uh, the drone, no drones, K-N-O-W, drones. Uh, so to no drones uh, tour that's going to come through in September, September 18th, we'll be uh, having them in town. And uh, we'll be downtown and around town and trying to really bring out what a Predator drone looks like. There will be models of that out. We also have had uh, the smaller drones, the ones that are starting to be used for surveillance uh, on civilian populations in the United States. And we're talking really urban populations, yes. people of color, poor people. Mostly, yes. It's, it's, that's the primary target at this point. So, uh, why should people reflect on Hiroshima and Nagasaki? If I'm listening out there, why should I go down to the riverfront or mm -hmm. spend some time on August 6th uh, or go down to the riverfront at 7.30 to think about Hiroshima and Nagasaki and see what may be horrendous uh, pictures of devastation and human death and tragedy? Yeah, well, for us it's a time that we invite folks down to uh, take a, a time out of your moments, all your busy days, to just stop and to reflect. Uh, why should you do that? If Even if you don't come to the river, I think you need to take that moment, that A moment in those days, 
that uh, humanity stepped into a whole new age. And we need to understand that that is where we're at still. We haven't really uh, stopped. We haven't really stopped uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the hatred, the, uh, the demise of, of a, a human kindness that uh, the nuclear age uh, does come to uh, be uh, exhibiting in war fighting, in how we deal with the low and eco- low end economic uh, realities, the economic injustices that are happening. I mean, if you just would cut the nuclear industry out of its existence, we'd have over seventy billion dollars just cutting down nuclear testing. We could get rid of all that money and go and feed it right into uh, the economic system where we need to create jobs better housing, health care. Those are some immediate uh, diversification program that we could get into. And uh, that's, that's even without the spinoffs that, that the, uh, the industry does suck up uh, from our economy. But in some ways, I know the, the Columbus Campaign for Arms Control is well aware of this, is that that victory in World War II, you know, that total devastation of Japan uh, has led to a military-industrial complex, which we were warned about in the farewell speech by General Eisenhower in his farewell presidential speech. Uh, And now, with 4% of the world's population, you know, our official defense budget is a little over $600 which doesn't count the war budgets for occupying Afghanistan, Iraq, uh, uh, and it doesn't count the money we borrowed, uh, the interest on it, doesn't count the veterans who have been maimed in war. Uh, It seems like militarism, or uh, again, better military madness, uh, is gripping this nation more than ever. I mean, uh, one of the interesting things about Syria that the New York Times came out with, with was that there's a small port there. Uh, it's the only Russian base outside of the former Soviet bloc. Mm-hmm. One base, uh, a small uh, fueling station mm-hmm. in Syria. Uh, Britain has three bases, all on former British colonial territory. Mm-hmm. The United States has 800, and everyone thinks that's because we're low-counting and consolidating, it's probably more like 11, 1,200. We don't really know. So, uh, and at the same time, right, uh, people can read maps. They can get a map of the world and say, oh, my God, friendly Mexico to the south, friendly Canada to the north, two oceans. I mean, we really have no geographic enemies on our border. How do we get that discussion going on what... I think future historians will, you know, will just see as this imperial military madness. I mean, officially we say we're peaceful, uh, but the official position of the United States in Joint Vision for 2020 is, quote, full-spectrum dominance, end quote, of planet Earth. But we're not even discussing this in the United States, that, hey, we're the new Rome. We're an imperial power. We believe in full-spectrum dominance of every other nation 
militarily and economically, and it's really killing our economy and our people. Yes, it is. Yeah, this $600 billion uh, budget uh, for this year, not including all the present wars and future wars and past uh, veterans' issues, uh, current veteran issues as well. Um, I asked uh, some of the veterans that are uh, veteran service agencies uh, just this past summer whether they were ready for the 2 million-plus people that have served in Iraq and Afghanistan to come back to, and they said their system is already failing. It's not ready to even deal with those that are going to have to come back and deal with, you know, the traumatic brain injuries and other, other realities of this war that we're into right now, let alone any future wars. Um, so the the amount of money that is being spent and and when you start hearing uh, Leon Panetta talking about the, the cuts that are already planned, uh, they're already working in around to get those cuts absolved, and they want to cut the domestic funding, but they don't want to cut the uh, military funding according to the the uh, the super committee's uh, failure um, of of coming to some kind of agreement on how to cut the deficit or debts. Um, for me, there is no way to cut a debt during a wartime, and as long as you're in wartime, you're not going to have debt cut. I mean, it, that just—it's it, insane thought to even think about uh, cutting. And as long as we maintain this permanent war, this war on uh, the global war on terror, we're going to be in a permanent war. And the the amount of money that we're talking about is robbing our grandchildren's children's children's. Uh, ability to recover from any kind of economic downturn that we've sort of slightly touched on in 2007 and 8, uh, we could see a lot worse if if the bubbles really would to burst um, in our economy. Right now, we have a housing uh, issue that caused so much uh, consternation in the last years and has caused economic downturn. Uh, we have other industries that are even more precarious and don't even produce even housing uh, that we could uh, see burst pretty badly. And um, especially if if the financial industries uh, are so dependent on the European uh, 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 Union and, and other uh, markets potential, the the reality is if you're sucking up nearly a trillion dollars of of funding every year into spending for war, that money is not available for uh, the future generations in education, health care, housing, other realities of such that a society needs to take care of its people. Again, I'm talking with Mark Stansberry, president of the Columbus Campaign for Arms Control. Tomorrow on Monday, uh, you'll hear this show on Monday, uh, August 6th, uh, again, commemoration and memorial for those who died at Hiroshima and Nagasaki. It will be at the Columbus Riverfront at 730. Uh, I intend uh, to be there, and uh, I hope you will join us, and we're going to take a look, uh, as Mark has explained, at some of the exhibit uh, that was some of the uh, featured exhibits that were turned down by the Smithsonian. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you want to tell our listeners in closing? 
Well, I just encourage people to uh, spend a little time uh, on that day, the 6th, and, and as well as the 9th, to just hold, hold some thoughts about uh, humanity and where we're heading as, as, a, as a family on this planet. We have uh, the uh, curiosity exp- exploration just to land this, this uh, evening, uh, early morning up on Mars, that genera- that curiosity we need more more curiosity than to actually uh, look at uh, the full spectrum dominance that you were speaking about. We need to really start understanding that we are a, a human family and that we need to behave as such and that we don't need to be attacking each other. We need to understand that global war is something of the past. We need to think beyond that and move into uh, fully funding human uh, needs and health care, housing, you know, jobs. Creating jobs is so important. If we have jobs, then we can, we can, uh, we can make the world go round. So with uh, drone warfare and war made uh, easy by an all-volunteer army, Mm. uh, are you hopeful, uh, as the president of the Columbus Campaign for Arms Control, that we can actually do something uh, to end this militarism? Well, the only thing I'm hopeful in is if we organize people to to take power and to build powerful organization in that we can confront the militarists. The militarists will run over us as long as we don't build powerful organization. So we need to have powerful organizations across this land that can confront and to start addressing that conversation that you said we're not having in the United States is to look at cutting military budgets and really encouraging folks to look at the us as a human family and advancing the the economic justice that we need. All right. Thanks, Mark Stansberry. This is Dr. Bob Fetragas reporting from the United States of Amnesia. (laughs) Thanks, Bob.